Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burgess, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, the Bears blown out for the third time this season. It is not a pretty scene around Hallis Hall right now, but how are you doing? Uh, better than folks at Hallis Hall, I would hope, for sure. Uh, I would hope they're feeling really uncomfortable right now because they should be. Um, I'm not feeling that uncomfortable, but we're going to talk about how they might be feeling and, uh, we're probably going to drink some bourbon while we do it. So we're definitely going to be more comfortable than they are. Yeah. We don't even know where Matt Nagy is, is at, you know, he would not reveal his location in his press conference today on his zoom press conference. He, he is in COVID protocol and he didn't want to reveal where he was at for, quote, obvious reasons, which I don't really know what those obvious reasons are, but Matt Nagy didn't want to share. So I don't know where Matt Nagy's at. He might be in... Mentally or physically. (laughs) He might be in his bunker where, you know, he's got all of his play sheets around him. That was Sam Householder mentioned that that was a possibility. Um, You know, he could be... I don't know. I don't, hanging out with Cliff Kingsbury out in the Kingsbury uh, ranch, and maybe Kingsbury can give him some offensive ideas. I really don't know where Matt Nagy's at, but he wouldn't tell us. So, so for obvious reasons, uh, anyway, we don't know where he's at. But we are going to do a show that is basically a temperature gauge, and as is normal for us after a heated blowout, we're going to drink bourbon. Uh, so I'm going to go first because I know what you're bringing on and it's going to take you a while longer than me. But I am bringing on a rabbit hole boxer grail. Uh, it is their Ooh. rye whiskey. So I don't know much about it. I have made one drink. As you can see, I'm showing you on camera. Uh, there's a little bit out of it. I made one drink out of it. It's 95% rye. So it, it is uh, a good spicy rye. But what did you bring on? Uh, that looks delicious. Yeah, by you know, the way. it's a great bottle too. It's got a little rabbit on the, yeah, the glass. I, little I love the great. color. Yep. Um, I am drinking my least favorite bourbon that I have on my shelf because uh, Sunday was my least favorite game of the season. Oh. Um, yeah. So I thought I, you were bringing on the the special juice. No, that's maybe Friday. It's not okay. ready yet. Okay. So we'll we'll talk about the special juice later. But no, this is Black Hills bourbon, and to be fair, it is not bad. Uh, but it is hotter than any other bourbon i have on the shelf uh i put it over a couple ice cubes because that's just the way i like it but um it is my wife just got me a bottle of uh woodenville uh bourbon which i is delicious and i like it but i i kind of don't want delicious and i like it when i'm talking about the bears getting crushed you want you want to be reminded just a little just a little and and not to be unfair to black hills it's fine bourbon uh if you like it hotter maybe a little bit smokier um it's fine i tend to mind like mine a little bit smoother uh than this so this is just enough of a tinge to remind me as i drink it that yeah the bears played a big boy football team on sunday and they got pantsed um and everybody saw it so not not third blowout of the year i have to say in rabbit holes uh that is a great cork sound. That's one mm. of the better cork sounds that I've, I've It had is a on. lovely so, anyway. cork sound. All right. So here's what's happened on this podcast is that we've had this episode. We talked about this early December last year where we were convinced like, all right, this is enough. We have reached enough evidence that any reasonable person in the ownership group will say it's time to move on. And 
we went through a whole episode. We talked about head coaching candidates. I, I believe we even did that with, with Brett, Brett Coleman when we brought him on. We had this episode. We were all in on a new coaching staff and a new GM last year. Didn't happen. George McCaskey kept those guys around, right? And so now we're in the predictable place where a lot of those questions are resurfacing. And so we thought we would sort of take a, a, a state of the bears episode and see where we're at as we're heading into the last two weeks before the bye week Matt Nagy probably isn't going to be coaching this weekend. Um, they're playing a bad 49ers team an underperforming 49ers team. There's a lot of moving pieces. A lot of players might, might be in, might be out. It's kind of hard to do a preview show when you don't know who's going to play quarterback for the 49ers. You don't know who's going to be rushing the quarterback of the 49ers because those guys may or may not play. So we wanted to do kind of a revamp of that December show and have a little fun in the second half of this show. So that's what we're going to do. What is the first key thing... <laughs> <laughs> that you yeah. want to bring up about what this year is, what to expect as a fan as we near the trade deadline, as you know, how do we survive another one of these potential blowouts? Like, let's let's get into some of that stuff. Like, how do we survive the 2021 season as a Bears fan? Yeah, I think it's a great place to start. And it's always the question when you have this many, like you said, unanswered questions or or New questions, old questions, combination. You just have a lot of questions. The Bears have a ton of questions, not very many answers right now. So it's always a question of where to start. And where to start is probably what this year is. Let's have some reasonable dialogue about what 2021 as a season is. And you've heard some of that in the media uh, over the last week, but largely 2021 is a lost season in terms of record. Uh, and in terms of player development as well, this staff has shown a limited ability to develop young players. Um, I don't think we're going to see any breakout candidates from either free agency acquisitions or guys they picked up in the draft other than what we've already seen. Now, there's a caveat. We'll talk about a player or two as we go deeper into the show um, that have shown some real potential. But for the rest of 2021, you can pretty much write it off. If the Bears win a game... Hey, that's great. Favorite team wins a game. That's cool. If they lose a game, probably a more predictable result. You should kind of expect that at this point. So as a fan, to get through that, there's a couple of things you can do, which is one, set your expectations reasonably and not get super mad every week when the predictable thing happens. You can still enjoy it when they do cool stuff. Like if you know, Justin Fields goes out and throws four touchdowns in a game. You can be psyched about that. That's a good thing. Like, be happy. Let yourself be happy about that. The defense goes out and, you know, gets three turnovers in a game and, and keeps the team in it until late and they lose. Like, be happy that Sean Desai put together a good defense and those guys stepped up and played well. It's not that you can't be happy about it, but be reasonable about it. If they get blown out by 35 points again, don't get super upset. Practice a little bit of self-care. I have never, ever, ever left a bar for a game I went there to watch. I have watched some... Tr think about that. That's a lot of football. <laughs> and I've watched right. some real dogs. Some real dogs. I left at halftime on Sunday. I left. It was 28-3. to And the Buccaneers were just about to get the ball back. And I paid my tab and said, I really... I've seen what I need to see. There's not going to be a lot of, like... 
even the stuff I love, like bottom of the roster players in the second half, kind of preseason-esque, like, hey, maybe that guy makes a play. I didn't care. By the time I got home, it was 35 to three. And I was like, oh, right decision, right? And just practice a little bit of self-care. If you're going to get super pissed off about it when you were expecting them to lose anyways, just don't worry about it. Go mow the lawn, go for a walk, go listen to some music, do whatever. Because we pretty much know what's going to happen for the rest of 2021. They're going to play some games. They're going to win a couple. I, you know, I hope, I kind of hope they don't go on a winning streak because that'll just muddy the issue again, right? What the Bears are not going to do as we approach the trade deadline is what we sort of laid out in that December show last year, which is have a fire sale, get rid of as much talent as you can. I know you're not going to get fair value for it. That's okay. Start clearing the books, start clearing money, keep the young core, let guys like Jesper Horstead play and see if there's anything there worth keeping, you know, fire the coaching staff. We know the bears have never fired a coach mid season. Um, They're not going to, they're not going to fire the coaching staff. They're not going to have a fire sale because Nagy and Pace's jobs depend on those assets. Trading them away for picks that they're not going to get to use most likely does them no good. So they're not going to do that. They're not going to do any of that. It's what we think should happen. It's what we thought should have happened last year, but it's not going to happen. So be reasonable about it um, and start looking forward to one small sliver of hope that came out today. NFL teams can now interview employed Head coaching candidates, those that already have a role as an offensive coordinator, even the head coach of another team, in weeks 16 and 17, which is huge. It lets people start a bit earlier. And if the Bears are smart, they will be in that derby just as soon as they can. They will be interviewing head coaching candidates at the first possible opportunity because I think we're in agreement about what should happen to the coach and the GM. Yeah, I I mean, obviously... We both would have moved on from them last year. Now, I know that the ownership group really likes Ryan Pace. That has been pretty clear. And they, they like Matt Nagy by extension. And I think that, you know, anybody in that situation, if you're Ryan Pace, you probably would do your best to try to survive yourself and let Matt Nagy go and take some heat and say, hey, you know, I, I, I did what I could do. Uh, but I also see the possibility that Ryan Pace sticks around for another role. And, and he gets promoted, sort of John Elwade, into a different role in the building. And he, they sort of put him in charge of this Arlington Heights potential new stadium deal. I think they like him. I think they trust him. I think that they maybe see him as being able to transform their whole internal operations. And maybe they can just set him on that path. If they do that, that allows Ryan Pace to have a graceful exit. They remove Matt Nagy, they bring in a new GM, the GM hires a new coach. So that would be probably the ideal scenario that you're that you're hoping for if, if you're like us and, and think that they need to clean house. And like you said, that's a very interesting new wrinkle in that they're allowing interviews earlier than, than they have in the past. And so I think this is trying to combat the idea that, you know, these these coaches these coordinators were punished for being on really good teams and of course they are part of that success so these guys that are getting to the you know nsc and afc championship games they're not able to get the job interviews or or spend as much time dedicating to to being able to um, put themselves in good position in the interview and they lose out to guys that 
I don't know, we're on a seven and nine team or seven and 10 team now or whatever. And so it is interesting because now you're going to see candidates like Brian Dayball, who's probably going to go pretty deep in the playoffs with the Bills, have an opportunity to get some of those interviews done in week 16 and 17. And the Bills might not care that much about those games because they they might be salting away their seat at that point. So um, it is interesting if you you said a key phrase there, if they're smart. Mm which is a pretty uh, strong <laughs> statement to make here because they, you know, and if the Bears win in enough games, I, you know, to me, this is going to go down to the wire with the Bears pointing at the Vikings. I've said that from the beginning. It, you know, it's the Spider-Man meme. It's those two teams pointing at each other being like, do you want to be the seventh seed? No, do you want to be the seventh seed? Because that's what I think it's going to come down to. I think the Saints are going to emerge as the sixth seed. Um, they're going to they're going to cream rises. I think they'll they'll get up there. I think they just have enough talent um, and and a good coach to be able to do that. But I think the seventh seed comes down to the Vikings or the Bears. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Vikings win enough games. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Atlanta catches fire. That seems a little crazy, but it could happen. But I do think it, it'll probably come down to those two teams. And if that's happening, then you're not going to get. That's not going to happen. And so you may lose out on that opportunity once again. So, uh, yeah, that, that that's interesting. And then, then I wanted to circle back to what you were saying about the trade moves. You know, I've seen a lot of different people on Twitter say, like, let's fire sale. I, I just don't see it happening. It's just not where the Bears are at in that cycle with the GM and with the coach. And you would need somebody that had football acumen above them to say, no, 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 like I'm taking over and we're going to do that. And in a way, like you don't want George McCaskey calling up other GMs and saying like, what will you give me for Akeem Hicks? Like, let's maybe not have that happen. Right. So, so that's just not going to happen. I have seen a couple of people suggest like, well, maybe we should make a couple of moves to bring in some talents because, you know, we're, we, we have a chance to make the playoffs here. And it's like, no, that is not a good idea. That is not where the Bears are at here. Um, this is you do not want to see them make significant moves here. They've already made a move. They made a move for the for the returner, uh, Jakeem, you know Grant. So so let's that's enough. Like that that's enough of a move. No more moves. So um, yeah, that that that's kind of where you can put your energy as a Bears fan. Uh, through the rest of the year we've tried we tried to set that up like this is a mediocre team it's got plenty of holes they can beat the bad teams they probably can't beat the good teams they'll flip coins in the middle so i want to talk more about survival strategies because i want to i want to zero in on you leaving a bar yeah i've never done it it's brand new um and i i was conflicted like even though the Bears are getting crushed. Look, I've stayed in a lot of bars when the Bears were getting crushed. It was fine. I was having a good time. And, you know, the food was good. Or the company was good. And I watched the end of the game. And, you know, I always learned something. And and that's probably the lesson I took away from it. And that's probably leads to some of the reticence. But as I sat there, I was by myself. And, you know, we had talked about this on the preview show with Trevor Sickman last week. We said, look, if the Bears pass rush can't get home, it's going to be a long day. And Tom Brady is absolutely going to destroy this secondary with time. And sure enough, the Bears pass rush looked toothless, comes out now that Khalil Mack's been playing hurt. Um, we knew the Tampa Bay offensive line was really good, but it was so mismatched that Tom Brady spent a lot of the day flat-footed in the pocket. He was oh, yeah. just not even concerned. And look, folks, if you leave the best football player of all time 
and I don't say that lightly, flat-footed, he's going to massacre you. And he did, and he did it easily. And so it was like, well, we said if this happened and this happened, this was going to happen. And sure enough, A plus B equals C in, you know, they give him three short fields within the first, like, quarter and a half. And look, if the Bucks have a 28-3 to lead on you and you're the 2021 Chicago Bears, Cinderella story is over. You're not coming right. back, right? right? You you can fight. You might make it a little bit closer if they put in their backups or something else, but you're, you're flatly not winning that game. Honestly, if you'd walked into the bar and said, will you bet your house, which I have not yet paid off, <laughs> will you bet your house that your family lives in that the Bears are going to lose this game? I would have done it, and I am not a better, <laughs> right? right? I would have been like, absolutely, what are you going to give me? And you could have said, like, I'll give you 50 grand, right and i would have been like cool free 50 grand right i was so sure that they were going to get smashed and again they tacked on another touchdown even between i i this is like a bar 12 minutes from my house like this is not far afield and by the time i got home they'd tacked on another touchdown and i was like oh that's before half that's ugly um and it was the right decision i didn't watch the rest of the game i went back and rewatched a little bit i didn't miss anything uh it looked just like the first part of the game um, and it's not good football right now. Like uh, Dan Orlovsky came out uh, on morning show that he's on and said, look, any evaluation of Justin Fields this year is null and void. It's yep, wasted. He's exactly right. It's it's wasted. And he's sure. not wrong. And uh, Nate Tice did a great thread on Twitter about all the things that people are saying about Justin Fields. Like, oh, he needs to get rid of the ball sooner and showed him getting hit at one point nine seconds. Um, right. Just for reference, Mina Kimes brought up that Ben Roethlisberger's time to release from the snap is the lowest in the NFL, and it's 2.3 seconds. That is the fastest the ball gets out in the NFL on average, 2.3 seconds. And point four seconds before that, Justin Fields is getting hit. So enough with he's holding the ball too long. Like, receivers aren't getting open. The line can't block anybody in pass protection, I will say. The one silver lining of the Tampa Bay drubbing was they ran for 124 yards on a team that doesn't give up 100-yard rushers. Um, so the run blocking is okay. It's a very tale of two cities kind of thing. Run blocking, the line looks okay. Pass blocking, forget it. Like, you couldn't pay me enough. You couldn't take that 50 grand I made on my bet and stand me behind the line for three plays because I'm going to get crushed. Like, I'm going to get yeah. smacked. And... You know, Justin Fields is feeling that, and Orlovsky's right. Like, because of that, the scheme's lousy. They're not giving him any help. He's getting smacked around by defensive players before he has a chance to make decisions, forget the slow or fast decisions. It it makes evaluation of the entire rest of the offense, save maybe Khalil Herbert, just not apply. Like, you can't say, oh, well, you didn't... You guys didn't score any touchdowns. Like the, the Bears have three receiving touchdowns this year as a yeah. team. Yeah. They have three. It's week seven. Like you can't right. say, oh, you had an off year. Everybody had an off year. Right. Um, so you just kind of wipe the board and say, this does not apply to deciding whether or not you're a good player because the whole thing is so broken. Yeah. And let me just share survival strategy from, from my end. I try to take out one of the senses. <laughs> so so if I'm watching the game, I turn the volume down very low or sometimes even <laughs> mute it so that I can't hear the announcers, right? Mm. 
that's one strategy for me. It it just takes it just takes one of those senses away, and it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't hurt as much. Flip of that is sometimes I will go for a walk and I will listen to the game on my headphones. Right. So I'm not watching it. I'm yeah. listening to it. And that helps me to just have one of the senses taking it in and leaving the other one alone. <laughs> and I don't know why. It just it lessens the impact. So maybe try that sometime. So try one of those and see if that works for you. But uh, yeah, it's uh, those are tough. I mean, three blowouts. I mean, that is... There's seven games into the year. They have had three blowout losses. That it, it is. It is a. It, it, you know what? They play the Cardinals. They play the the Packers again. Um, you know, in Lambeau, th- they play the Ravens. Like th- they play some games where we we could be looking at another blowout here. So protect yourself. Yeah, be good to yourself and have reasonable expectations. Right. This this team. For those people that said to you, "Oh, maybe they should go make some moves," the answer is no. This team's not going on a run. They might sneak into the extra playoff spot, which would be horrible. It would be a worst case result. Right, not because I don't year. not because I don't like the Bears, right? I'm a Bears fan. It sucks to watch them lose. But they have set themselves up pretty completely to lose. They've pushed money into the future. They didn't plan appropriately for the offensive line. And I had somebody come at me on Twitter and be like, Well, you can't account for four injuries. I was like, you could also not let Charles Leno go for $11 million and instead cut Jimmy Graham because it would have been about even. Um, Because you're not sure. Like, oh, you can't tell me that you knew that Tevin Jenkins was going to be injured. No, I didn't think he was. And I'm a huge Tevin Jenkins fan. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But you took a bird in the hand and pitched it and said, I'm going to be good and filled in behind him with below average NFL roster talent. We'll just say that. And you're getting crushed. And somebody was like, well, Jason Peters is way better, and he's only a million dollars. And I'm like, yeah, and Jason Peters answered your call on his fishing boat? Right. And if he hadn't, which you made out of desperation because you're like, oh, crap, the plan I put together is horrible, and we're getting slayed, who can I call? And you called Jason Peters, and he was kind enough to answer and say, yeah, I'll come take another year worth of punishment for your million dollars. And he's clearly been the best offensive lineman. That's not process that's not strategy that's panic and reaction so don't tell me oh well you got jason peters for a million and you let charles leno go for 11 million and his grades lower i'm like get out of here like that is replicable that is not a thing so you know the bears are very much reaping in many areas what they have sown and i've said over and over again i've said it on this program i've said it to you i've said it to other people i said it on twitter last week Imagine this team with no Justin Fields. If the Bears do not hit that sort of, it's not even a holy trinity. It's like a holy whatever 11 is. I don't know the word for 11 in the trinity phrasing. Like if a whole bunch of things, dominoes, don't fall just right. There is no Justin Fields in Chicago. Imagine that. Imagine this team with no Justin Fields. And then tell me how you feel about it. And if the answer is any kind of good, really at all, in terms of being a competitive NFL franchise, you're not seeing it clearly. Like, this is not, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about some roster stuff in the second half of the show. And it was a much harder exercise than I thought it might be. I kind of proposed it lightheartedly, like, let's do this. And then I was in the middle of doing it, and I was like, this hurts. This is terrible. If you didn't have Justin Fields, you would be looking at, you'd have your first round pick, 
And then you'd be looking at this incoming quarterback class, and you'd be like, oh, crap. Like, one, we're not high enough up in the draft yet. Again. And two, like, <laughs> what, are we, what would we trade up for? This is scary. So, all right, so... We'll articulate that a little bit after the break. So stick with us. We're gonna we're gonna play a little game. Hopefully, have a little bit of fun uh, on the other side of this. All right, EJ. So you propose this. So why don't you lay out the rules of what we're doing tonight? Yeah, I thought it'd be fun to again. We we know the fire sales not coming. We know the midseason coaching change short of some miraculous event that would be terrible let's be clear you know the uh i'm thinking about the end of the mark tressman era with you know those defenses giving up back-to-back 50 burgers and everybody going that's ah, enough mel tucker we don't want anymore right we're you know they're not they didn't do it then they're not going to do it now unless something like that happens it would have to be really really horrible i'm talking about like Matt Nagy getting convicted of a crime like that. That would be the thing. Right. It's not going to happen. So that's not going to happen. The fire sale is not going to happen. So let's go with they decide at the end of the season that Matt Nagy and maybe Ryan Pace need to go or Ryan Pace. Like you said, I love that option of putting him on the business side, letting him do the new stadium deal and, and letting somebody else come in and control football decisions. I think that's really nice. So let's assume that happens because that's more realistic. Right. And then let's look at the roster and say, who should be bears going forward? What is your core here? Because the reality is not very fun on that side either, either in terms of talent in the barn, number of picks available or free money. And by free yeah. money, I mean money that you can go out and spend on a free agent, buy a contract, um, even upgrade existing starter contracts if you wanted to. Right. The Bears have none of those, right? They have no money. They've pushed a ton of money forward. And everybody's like, yeah, but all these contracts are going off the roster. And I'm like, yeah, and that means you have like 15 <laughs> players. More players that you need to buy. Yeah, you have right. like 15 players paid for, and it takes up like, you know, with dead money and everything else, it takes up like some crazy amount of your salary cap, like 75%. So you have need to fill two thirds of your roster with less than one quarter of your money. Like not a great yep. setup. Draft picks, they spent some for fields. They have some left, but they've also spent other picks um, at other times. So the cupboard is not full in any way of uh, players you have in, uh, or money you have to go get those players or draft picks that you can spend on them. So the Bears are in for a little bit of a restructuring no matter what. So who are the, mm, let's just call them sacred cows that you would not move, right? That you would say, nope, no matter what, this is a core player. So we, we decided to pick three on offense, three on defense, and a wild card. One player that we just like could be offense, defense, could be special teams. Doesn't matter. Just like, hey, we think this is a meaningful player. So it's a total of seven players out of a 53-man roster. It's not a lot, right? Shouldn't be hard. In fact, the hardest thing should be saying, well, should it be this guy or that guy? And I found that as I got to player number three on both the <laughs> offensive and defensive side, I was yeah. like, maybe (laughs) and that's terrible like let's be clear if they're not like five solid candidates on both sides of the ball your roster is not in a good place and the bears roster is flat out not in a good place all right so where do you want to start do you want to start offense you want to start defense 
Your choice. Flip a coin. I think offense is easier. Okay. So the first player is the free card on the the free spot on the bingo card. It's it's Justin Fields. You yeah. got your quarterback, right? So that that one I don't feel like we need to spend a lot of time on that one. No, nope. I, I too chose to Justin Fields. <laughs> I know, I know it's going to freak you out, but I too chose Justin Fields because we've said over and over again on this program Go get your quarterback at all costs. Until you do right. that, nothing else matters. The Bears did it. They they got lucky, and I'm not going to hold it against them. They got lucky. They did the right thing. They went and got their quarterback. He can be a successful pro quarterback. So, yes, Justin Fields almost got exempted from this exercise because if you don't pick Justin Fields on offense, again, you're not seeing the modern NFL clearly. You need a quarterback, right. and they got one. Right. All right, so n- now I'm curious because now I'm not sure if we're going to be in agreement. <laughs> I <but> doubt it. <laughs> My number two player is Tevin Jenkins. Okay. And the reason for that is that he's a highly drafted, talented player on the offensive line. He's going to play tackle. He's got a rookie contract. You th- would hope that his ceiling is high. And you're going to need two tackles. This is a talented guy that you hope fills one of them. I don't care if he's playing right or left. He's an, he's a talented player. We get him back healthy from everything we've heard. That back injury is taken care of with that surgery. So let's hope that that's a real thing. You never know. That's, to me, the second most important player on this offense. So, or, or protect, worth protecting. Yep, and I would agree. I ended up, I wasn't ranking them in order. Uh, but okay. Tevin Jenkins made my list. And he almost didn't because I almost forgot about him, which is terrible. Because he's injured and has been out of sight, out of mind. But for all the reasons that you stated, very important position. Very talented player, rookie contract, high level of need on the team. Like, Tevin Jenkins is absolutely a guy you include in the offensive core because if he does come back, I do care if he plays left or right. I want him at right because he can excel there. And right tackles, let's face it, are just as important as left tackles in the modern NFL because pass rushers aren't side dependent. They will go to wherever it's weaker. You need two good tackles. Tevin Jenkins can hopefully be a great tackle for the Bears. I believe he can. He was one of my top-rated tackles out of the last draft. And if that back injury clears up and he comes back in year two and plays at even a median level, it will be a huge upgrade from the tackle play that the Bears have been experiencing at right tackle. So Tevin Jenkins absolutely makes the list. Number three for me was not easy. Me neither. (laughs) Uh, But I'm going to say Darnell Mooney. And I'm going to say Darnell Mooney because I think you need three wide receivers to have a competent offense in the modern NFL. He is that. I think he's a number two. He's not a number one. But – I, that's great. Like you need that guy. You need that guy on your team. He's skilled. He's he's a well-rounded guy. He's obviously very fast as well. Um, I think he has a pretty nice career ahead of him. And and so I'm I'm going to protect him. He's still got two years left on the rookie deal. He looks like a good pick. Um, he's very cheap. And so for me, like that that's the kind of talent that you want to build around. Um, I'm 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 rather I'm going to take a wide receiver rather than say like a, a Montgomery. Um, I'm not going to take Whitehair, who's expensive and kind of maybe on the downside of his career. I'm not going to take Daniels, who's about to get paid probably by somebody else. Um, I don't think anybody else really rises to the level of of this exercise. Yeah, and that's the trouble, right? That's the trouble for both of us is we're going through this exercise and we're like, oh, three should be a lockdown and I should have four and five that I'm really debating like, oh, should they be on the list? 
before I had remembered Jenkins, Mooney was my three, and I was like, uh, <laughs> like, that's not great. Now, I love Darnell Mooney. You know that. He was a pre-draft favorite of mine. I was extremely happy when the Bears got him. I was extremely happy when he had a very productive rookie season. He's been down a little bit, but as we said, it's tough to judge anybody in this offense as being productive. I agree with all the things you said. He's got great speed. He is a much more complete receiver than people thought he was. I think he has a long career ahead of him, and he's not my third pick. Okay. Who you got? I'm going to go with Khalil Herbert. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's go. What do you got? Let's go. So you might say, well, EJ, you've said a lot that running backs are, you can find them anywhere and whatever. And I do say that quite a bit on both programs. However, when you get a really good one, you hold on to it. Khalil Herbert, a rookie, fourth round pick, who has shown a lot of explosiveness, even in this terrible offense that we're saying, oh, well, you can't judge anybody in this offense because it's terrible. Khalil Herbert, over the last three weeks, has had more yards than anybody in the NFL except for Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Yep. That is a guy that I think is better at playing running back than Darnell Mooney is at playing receiver. And I realize that's a strong statement, but I think he is a dual-purpose threat. He's good at catching the ball, and he has enough speed to exploit gains. And he's shown, even in this... whatever you want to call it, I'm going to call it a burning dumpster fire of an offense that he can produce. Imagine if he was only one piece of a competent offense. So I like Mooney. You need more receivers than you do running backs, but I think Khalil Herbert is better at running back and can have more impact than Darnell Mooney can at receiver because I made the exact same note that you did that I think he is a number two. He is not a number one wide receiver. I think he'd be a very good number two. And he's on my maybe wild card list, right? Moni might be my wild card. All right. Well, Herbert's on my maybe wild card. So list. we just so, swap. This is so, this is so, a but, thin flake, right? It, that was a surprising thing because I, I know it's because of the rookie contract um, that really helps this argument. Um, you you do have Montgomery on this squad, who's a very good running back, right? And so, don't disagree at all. And right. before three weeks ago, it probably would have been Montgomery. Right. Well, you wouldn't have had the evidence. Right. Of I, I, And at that point, I would have picked Mooney because, again, I think Montgomery and Mooney a little bit more equal and wide receiver a little bit more important in terms of positional value. At that point, I flip them. But right. given his performance, which it just looks different when he runs. I was a huge Herbert fan. He was my number five overall running back. Yeah. And – he produces like that guy has it he has flash you want to say it he has flash he has the ability he makes the extra yards he makes people miss like that is a guy that even as a running back i'm gonna say "Hmm, i I would like to see you as one of the triplets or the quads or whatever we come up with for an offensive threat game package like i think khalil herbert can can tip the scales for the bears a little bit yeah i mean i said it since camp i was like i I like this herbert guy like i've been saying it since camp and people are getting sick of probably hearing me say that because i was all the way back in august i was like i I like this guy he's in the plants like i I think he he looks the part so yeah i I can't i'm not gonna say anything bad about herbert um let's uh let's flip on the other side defense 
I'm, I'm curious to hear where you go, but the, the first one I think is the obvious one, and that's Jalen Johnson. It's a young quarter, corner on his uh, rookie contract. He's, a, he's a, only in his second year. He looks like a legit cornerback one. Yeah, I mean, he got beat on that on that big toss to, to Evans, but that's going to happen. All the cornerbacks are going to have that, that those plays, those games. But overall, what we've seen from Jalen Johnson in a year and a half of play is excellent. And you absolutely need a cornerback one. You arguably need three really good cornerbacks. So I'm going to take Jalen Johnson as my number one without a doubt. Yep, we are a dead match. I took zero seconds to put him down as my first defensive player on this squad. He's performed excellently. The only question with him is the shoulder injury and whether or not that crops up again. But when he has been healthy and been on the field, which has been most of the time, he only missed a couple of games at the end of last season, Uh, he has been one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, not one of the best rookie cornerbacks, not, there's no qualifier on that. He has been one of the best top five cornerbacks in the NFL. That is a valuable asset in the modern NFL where passing game is king. He's shown everything and more that we hoped, uh, pre-draft. And I absolutely slotted him into the number one spot without hesitation. Awesome. All right, so I'm curious where we're going to go here. But for me, number two is a guy that I'm going to have to pay, and that's Roquan Smith. He's incredibly athletic. He's incredibly valuable in the modern game as an inside linebacker. He can cover. He can rush. He can tackle. I mean, like, I think he's a complete inside linebacker. I think he's probably a top three inside linebacker without really sweating to make that argument. And you need those guys. Like, those are the guys that can make a difference and, and make your defense uh, revolve around a guy like that. I'm going to have to pay him, but I don't care. Like, I'm okay with paying Roquan Smith um, because he's that talented. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Com- okay. Complete match on everything. You are going to have to pay him. He was a high pick. It's exactly what you want a high pick to be. This is what you have draft picks for, is so that you get blue chip players. And Roquan Smith is a blue chip player. He is one of, and it's funny you said three. Three is the number I settle at because it's really hard to get him higher than three. Like last year, I honestly think he was two, but he ended up, you know, kind of fifth in like all pro voting. If I I put a little bit more weight in all pro voting than I do in pro bowl voting. He should have been in the all-pro conversation, and he wasn't at five. He should have been two based on his statistics last year. There are several, a handful of really top-quality inside linebackers. There's Bobby Wagner. He's at the end of his career. There's Fred Warner, who's probably the gold standard right now. Some people say Darius Leonard. We saw a great game out of Demario Davis uh, just to sort of reassert himself in that conversation. There's folks in Pittsburgh and Tampa that can be in that conversation. There's there's like six or seven guys. Roquan is among the top of those guys, and I would say three is a very fair number for him, and he does matter in the modern NFL because he does feature not only in pass protection, say, uh, tight ends in the red zone. He can do that, but he can rush. He is an excellent run stopper. He fills. He's got speed. Like, everything you want, he's got it. Yes, you're going to have to pay him. Yes, he's my number two. Okay. I'm curious if we probably have somebody different here. Probably. Um, because I, I'm, I, can't, I can't quit him. That's Khalil Mack. <laughs> um, I, face of the franchise – 
I love I'm – I'm a Bears fan. I love my linebackers. There's an outside linebacker that rushes the – I mean, he's as good as anybody. I know he's got his foot injury he's dealing with right now, but you still need to get after the passer. I don't have another body, another body in the secondary that I care anything about to, to, to protect here in this exercise. I don't have – uh, you know, another inside linebacker. I, I don't have another uh, guy on the defensive line that I'm like super excited about that I feel like I can I can put this down. This is an elite player at an incredibly important position. He's incredibly expensive, but I'm willing to pay that for a guy that does everything right and is the face of the franchise. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. And he's not my number three. <laughs> I figured not. That's why I, f- I but, figured you had somebody else. But so who'd no. you have? I I went with Travis Gibson not because he's a okay, not because he's a better player than Mack, but because of the Bears being where they are. Mm-hmm. We talked about it. They don't have money. They are not going to contend for a year and a half. Anybody that wishes themselves into oh, because Rodgers leaves next year, the Bears are automatically going to win the NFC North. Not without a lot of luck. Is it possible? Yes. Is it a Cinderella story if they do? It absolutely is. They Everything would have to go right, meaning they'd have to get a good, probably, left tackle uh, in the second round. Travis, uh, sorry, Tevin Jenkins would have to be healthy and play excellently at right tackle. Um, they would have to find a couple of very productive receivers who messed with Justin Fields very quickly because Allen Robinson's probably moving on. Mooney will stay. They've seen nothing from three and four with Goodwin and Bird. Um, they don't have a pass-catching tight end on their roster right now unless, again, Jesper Horstead suddenly blossoms or they get one in the third or fourth. Like, everything, a lot of things would have to happen correctly for the Bears to be even close to contending next year. So that means it's going to be a year and a half from now until the Bears are really in contention. Where's Khalil Mack going to be a year and a half from now? Where's Robert Quinn going to be a year and a half from now? Where's Akeem Hicks going to be a year and a half from now? Those guys are already getting chipped up and starting to wear down, especially Hicks. He's been injured the last three years for a significant time. Love him as a player. When he's healthy, look out. This is not about their current talent level. This is about their talent level where they might be in a year and a half because the Bears are not going to contend before that. Travis Gibson's shown flashes. Does he need help on the other side of the line? He absolutely does. He's not a guy like Khalil Mack that can carry his own water and just be dominant no matter who's around him. So Mack, clearly better player. But a year and a half from now, with money and impact... I'm going to gamble on Gibson, and this is where it gets weird on defense. As you're reading down, there should be a clear number three that you're like, right. this guy is young and he's developing, and I don't care if he's a safety. I don't care if he's a defensive tackle. Like, It was kind of a coin flip. It was like, well, who's got the most potential that's pretty young and has shown some flashes, and that's Gibson. That's not a good place to be from a roster building standpoint. There should be a clear number three, a four, and probably even a five where you're like, man, I would – there's an argument for five being three. Right now on the Bears, there is not an argument for the fifth best player on defense being included in this top three for this exercise. There's just not. Yeah, the one thing, and it's not an argument that I probably should make, given that Mac sounds like he might go on the IR here, but he does seem like a guy that's built to last 
well into his 30s. And, you know, he just has a body type that's that's compact and in, 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 in a way that I, I just don't see a ton of, like, lingering issues. But, again, he's hurt right now. So what the, what do I know? And, you know, clearly he was probably battling something last year as well. So, he, you know, he might have something that just kind of nags at him until he, until he gives it up. I mean, we've seen that happen too. You know, Patrick Willis retired early because, he you know, he had an injury he couldn't get over. So you, you never know. Like, you never know with these guys. He does just appear to be a guy that could maybe continue into his 30s. Um, pretty well and I, I'm willing to take the chance on the elite uh, the elite player there but let's get to the wild card because Travis Gibson Khalil Herbert those guys were on my mind for the wild card but I'm gonna let you tell me your wild card first I'm gonna go with Cairo Santos <laughs> okay all right that was the other guy I was considering because man you know we do not compare notes here no we, we like wrote these on. it is important to let the listeners know we wrote these independently we did not consult we did not talk about it pre-show uh we just wrote our lists and you know uh we get that uh, I would say compliment but uh, I'll say comment because it's usually intended as a negative we take it as a positive that oh you guys agree too much I'm like well we see the game similarly. We both approach it as we like smart football and we like objective analysis. We're not into hot takes. We've said that ever since we started Bears Over Beers. And, you know, there's not that many places to go. We have a couple of differences, but we see this similarly. I took Cairo Santos because, well, I took him for two reasons. One, I remember kicker hell, right? I remember week to week going, is this guy going to do anything? Can he make the kick? Do I have to worry about this? Should I go get the Tums? Like, when you don't have a kicker, it's kind of like a lesser version of not having a quarterback. It's like you either get one and you stick with them, and that's great, and you have one, and if you have to move on, you work like hell to get another one, or you just don't have one. And franchises that don't have a quarterback or a kicker are constantly in search of that and constantly suffering the consequences of not having either of those two spots locked down. Anybody who thinks I'm nuts, Darnell Mooney was forced into my wildcard spot by my argument for Khalil Herbert. Darnell Mooney has a total, and I realize it's a shit show of an offense, a total of six points this year. And it's not yards that win you football games. It's points. You can throw up a lot of yards and they can be meaningless. It's the same on defense. You can give up a lot of yards, but if you give up a lot of points, you're going to lose. And on offense, if you don't score a lot of points, which the Bears don't right now, you're going to lose. Cairo Santos is worth 51 points this year. 51. Darnell Mooney has had six. And even in a very good year, Mooney is going to struggle to crack 55 points. Cairo Santos is going to be worth probably 100 plus this year. And he has been absolute money ever since he took over the job. Like, I don't worry about the kicking game in Chicago anymore. And to me, that's worth spending the wild card on. Yeah, I I had trouble with deciding between Herbert, Gibson, and then just like, hey, let's just have the kicker position figured out with Santos, right? So I, I actually didn't have a good 
wild card answer. I wanted to see where you went so that I could pick somebody different. But the three <laughs> guys that I identified as potential wild cards you have on your team. Um, and so I'm going to I'm gonna say all of those are right. Like, I like all of those. And so I'm going to, like, go wild, wild, wild card and just name the one guy that I think is at least potentially in this conversation that we haven't mentioned. And that's Larry Borum. Interesting. Okay. Wild, wild, wild card, right? Because if he pays off, he's coming back. He's probably going to get some practice. Maybe he's going to get some play. Maybe they're going to put him at right tackle. I don't know. If he looks like a guy, if he looks like a player that can actually uh, nail down one of those spots and Jenkins comes back and he's the other one, Peter's obviously going to go back to retirement after this year. Maybe you have the tackles figured out. So that is a wild, wild, wild. I like it. If you get a swing tackle out of a guy like Larry Borum in a late round, swing tackles great. Like that's amazing. So I'm I'm not going to go against you on that pick. Like I don't want Larry Borum forced into a starting role because he's not ready for that. Oh, he's not a swing tackle. I'm with you. Um, So honestly, our lists weren't that much different for whatever comes down with the Bears after the season. They have a small core to try and retain they will retain other guys contractually because they don't want to suck up the dead money there will be guys like robert quinn who are probably on this team um that are not on our list and they can still contribute but overall in terms of that sort of young core keeper calculus we were pretty much aligned yeah right yeah i i I really had trouble with those last ones i mean i can go back and forth a lot I'd probably take Herbert just because he's the guy that I'm most interested in, but I'm also fighting that like running backs don't matter kind of thing, and and then I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I should take Gibson. And, well, I kind of like the kicker thing. So anyway, I it was full of emotions, but I figured I'd mention the offensive lineman. Give offensive yeah, well, I'm shocked that you mentioned an offensive lineman. Well, let's circle back to the drinks uh, before we get out of here. I am. I did not, so I made a cocktail with right. this the first time, and so I didn't taste this straight up. I have you know a full dram on its own, and I'm really impressed. This was really tasty, really smooth. Um, you could definitely drink this straight. So that is Rabbit Hole is the distillery. It's out of Louisville, and it's called Boxer Grail. It's got a nice little green label. That's their rye. I really liked it. It's good. That's awesome. It's a beautiful looking bottle. It has a beautiful color, uh, just as a as a bourbon itself yeah um glad you liked it uh the black hills better when you let the ice cubes melt they mellow it out just a little bit and it becomes quite drinkable just that way like straight out of the bottle warm yeah it's hot uh it's not my favorite but again um you know bears over bourbon we both had some bourbon uh bourbon's a little bit like pizza even when it's not great it's pretty darn good um so you know not a terrible show but hopefully this gives bears fans uh a couple of strategies to watch the rest of 2021 some reasonable expectations to kind of settle into like don't be expecting a fire sale don't be expecting a mid-season coaching change and really who are the important sort of core gems whatever you want to call them hold on to these these are guys that potentially you can build the nucleus of a team going forward are you going to need more pieces around them Absolutely, but these are quality players that the organization's brought in one way or another uh, that in a year and a half could still matter. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what, you have to try to put the parameters around what you're doing as a Bears fan. Otherwise, you're going to go nuts, right? You just have to set those expectations. So hopefully we uh, laid some of those out, 
be excited about Jalen Johnson. Still be excited about Justin Fields. You know, see what you have in some of these other players. It's okay to get excited about your players. Just know that it's they're they're not playing on a team that's going to win anything significant this year. So, uh, but there's still plenty to enjoy. So, uh, that's all for us this week. We'll be back next week uh, like normal. But in the meantime, make sure you're checking us out on YouTube. We're not putting this one up. This is audio only because it's just EJ and I chatting here. Um, check out our other shows. There's obviously a lot of other great shows on the Winnie City po- uh, Gridiron Podcast Network. And check out whatever else is going on on the website. What about you? Anything interesting going on? No, bootleg came out today. We're recording this on a on a Wednesday, so we actually made it on time this week, which is a rarity for us. Uh, but no, that comes out weekly, and and that is both a recap and a look forward. But other than that, uh, no, just keeping up on the weeklies, uh, watching the games. Hopefully, uh, week uh, the next week of NFL football is a little mm. more um, parody induced. Yeah, we had our first sort of blowout week. We had we had predicted it might happen, and boy, uh, not a lot of those games were competitive. So the the fans of teams like oh Tampa or Cincinnati had a great weekend. Uh, if you're just sort of a general, more neutral football fan, it wasn't as fun to watch. There was a lot more lopsided contests, so maybe a, a return to some competitive football would be nice, but overall it's uh, that just feels greedy to ask for that because it's been a tremendous NFL season so far and tons of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, until next week, thanks everybody, and bear down. <laughs>